Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have attorney Ashton Cohen, host of Electile Dysfunction. It's a podcast, interesting wordplay there, writer at Bold TV. Mr. Cohen, good to have you, attorney. How are you, sir? Appreciate it, Dr. Ritchie. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to chop it up about the US Constitution, the United States Supreme Court, and gun laws or gun control, however you want to term that. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this dynamic, especially in light of recent decisions. So if you would, give me your sentiment and I will then opine. Okay, well. Um- one of the one of the reasons why it's been newsworthy as of late has been this uh, Bruin case, which essentially um, allows for uh, concealed carry uh, requirements uh, in the various states. So the the Bruin case, for example, just invalidated a New York law, which prohibited individuals from getting uh, licenses to conceal carry in public uh, unless they were able to show proper cause. And the Supreme Court had taken a uh, pretty monumental decision on this that we've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, basically saying that, well, you can't have these subjective criteria by which uh, to offer to issue a gun permitting license. So there are about 43 states in this country that are shall issue jurisdictions where if you meet objective criteria, you can get a license to uh, carry a firearm in public for self-defense purposes. About six or seven, including New York, who was subject of this lawsuit, say no, you actually need to meet what they call proper cause. And the problem with proper cause is that it's an undefined term, it's a subjective criteria. And what is proper cause? Well, proper cause is whatever a sheriff or a police officer you know, says it is under the circumstances on a case by case basis. So it's led to this absurd conclusion where in places like California, where I live, where rich people, politically connected people, people whose daddies paid for the sheriff's reelection, or who are you know in in bed with the state senate or fund you know some of the local politicians in the state, they can get a, a permit to to carry All right. a weapon. And criminals obviously can by virtue of being criminals; they don't care about the law. Okay. But somebody like me, who's an attorney, who you know I'm literally an officer of the courts, would be denied a permit based on the subjective arbitrary standards. Let me ask you this question, because you talked about the ruling, Clarence Thomas has his opinion. He actually cited the terminology self-defense. Do you agree that we have a right to bear arms based on a dynamic of self-defense attorney? Yes. Okay, where is that in the constitution? Okay, so the right to bear, so the the right to bear on the second amendment has always been understood um, to include the self-defense right. In all due respect, my question is, where does it say that the right to bear arms is a self-defense element of the US Constitution? So it's the right of the people to to keep and bear arms, of course, on the Second Amendment. And so- No, sir, that's not the reading of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment says for a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms should not right. be infringed. Uh, Clarence Thomas, you're an attorney, sir. Clarence Thomas referenced self-defense. Self-defense is not even worded in the US Constitution. He made that part up. In addition to that, in 2008 is when it changed with the decision of District of Columbia versus Heller. 
And that's when the court for the first time actually concluded that the second amendment is a right to individuals. So up until 2008, there was a massively different interpretation of what the second amendment actually meant, sir. So when a Supreme Court justice cites self-defense as a reason to overturn local jurisdiction as it relates to gun policy. Do you not find that problematic that he cited something that's not even contextualized in the Constitution itself? Okay, so let's let's look at the context of the Second Amendment and the Constitution, which as the Supreme Court did in this case as well. So the Second Amendment comes from the 1689 British Bill of Rights, right? That's where it's a derivative of. Prior to the Second Amendment, there were about seven, and immediately after the the establishment of the Second Amendment, there were seven states that codified the rights for self-defense purposes. It's always been interpreted as a self-defense amendment, just as every other Sir, bill of rights. And all due respect, just like that's every not other true. statute, that's that true. Every uh, other attorney. amendment in the Bill of Rights, every other amendment attorney. in the Bill of Rights applies to the rights of individual people, not the collective militia. Okay. This canard so, about the militia being, uh, you know, uh, the Second Amendment being. Who wrote the uh, Second know, Amendment to the militia. Sir, who wrote the Second Amendment ratified in 1791? Well, so it comes from Thomas quick. Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson wrote the, uh, the essentially the corollary in the Virginia Constitution. No, sir, it's James Madison. Copy. No, sir. James Madison wrote the Constitution, but the actual Second Amendment, if you look at the Virginia Constitution, it was written by Thomas Jefferson. They took it almost word for word from the Virginia Constitution. Sir, the Second the Amendment rights. ratified in 1791 was proposed by James Madison. The reason why that part James is James Madison wrote the Constitution, this, yes. The, the, it was, but it was, was taken from Thomas Jefferson's. Sir, yes. my point is, it was proposed directly by James Madison. James Madison, you said the, the interpretation of the constitutional dynamic has always been the same. That's not true. When James Madison proposed the creation of the Second Amendment, it was to do one thing. And he went on record with it, to counteract a tyrannical government. That is what it was for. So when you say it's always been the same interpretation, that is not true. They've had different interpretations and not until 2008 did the courts recognize this as an individual dynamic. So sir, it has not always been interpreted the same. That's why you had dissension in the circuit, you had dissension in the rulings of federal courts. And that's why in 2008, the US Supreme Court had to get involved. You had right, different so conclusions at that time. It's always had a dual purpose. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, we, we shouldn't get hung up on, on Kuro. But if you look at the Virginia State Constitution, you'll see that Thomas Jefferson wrote that, and the Second Amendment's almost a word for word copy uh, from the uh, Right to Bear Arms Statutes uh, Amendment in the Virginia Constitution. All right. So, let, let, me, and, let me ask you this question. Hmm. I think it's really interesting. Do you believe you cited constitutional carry or concealed carry? Do you believe right. in constitutional carry? Yes. Okay. So, constitutional carry basically says listen, because bearing arms is a right, you do not need to go through a bureaucracy. You don't need to go through a permitting process. You can just go ahead and get a gun and, and bear arms because it's a constitutional right. That's that's okay. not correct. No. Okay, go ahead. So, Tell me. What so you can still have objective criteria, and the Supreme Court made that clear. So it depends. Uh, it depends on yes. the state. So I'm talking about state yes. laws like Texas, which they believe in constitutional care. They've already passed a law. It yes. is legislation. It is law. And according to their version of it. You have a right to bear arms without going through a prerequisite of government, sir. Is that incorrect? I'm sorry, can you repeat? You broke up on the last bit. Okay. I, I heard According yeah. to the current law in places like Texas and a few others, constitutional carry means you don't need to go through a prerequisite process of government approval or permitting in order to carry and conceal a firearm. Am I correct or incorrect? Right, of course. And you can't okay, get so a Thank you. Force, right? Now, you believe in constitutional carry, meaning because it's a constitutional right, you do not need a process 
to approve you to exercise that right. Am I right so far? No, I I think that a a process of demonstrating, you know, uh, certain hours of training, which many states have, I think that's okay. So you disagree with the Texas version of the law, then, and you disagree with the Republican version of the legislation, and you disagree with the Georgia version that just got passed. So you disagree with them. Yeah, I I mean, I I think it's reasonable for for every state to make their own judgment. But if you were to have, you know, some of these states have, uh, you know, uh, basic just basic requirements that you need to demonstrate. You know, um, all right. So are you saying that maybe there's some some light here that that we may agree on? Are you saying that states which do not require any level of prerequisite, those states are you disagree with those states and how they're applying the law? Is is that what you're saying or how they're applying the constitutional standard? I think they have the right under the constitution to do so. I, if I were to craft the legislation, I would probably have just a, you know, just a, a basic competency of, of uh, demonstrating your ability okay. uh, to have a firearm and to handle it properly. Do you agree with their logic in the interpretation of the constitution? Like for example, attorney, when a state says we actually have the right to eliminate all prerequisites, all permitting um, constitutional carry means in this state, you can just carry a gun because you choose to. Do you agree with how they're reading the Constitution to allow them to make that law? Right. Yeah. So the, the Second Amendment doesn't put any prohibition on being able to uh, you know, carry a weapon, but you know the the Supreme Court has you know said uh, has essentially given the okay to do things like prohibiting you know, domestic abusers, obviously felons okay. from, from being able to access weapons, things of that nature, which I agree. All right. So the logic is. Uh, it's okay. It may not be your your cup of tea, but it is constitutionally, I guess, viable when they interpret the Constitution to say because this is a right, you do not need to go through a prerequisite of government to exercise it. Here's a question I have for you, Attorney: mm-hmm. Is voting a right? Yes. Okay. Do you now advocate that in order to exercise your right to vote, you do not need to go through any prerequisite of registration? of identification producing or anything, because it is in fact a right as well. No, of course not, you have to be registered. I mean, you know, I just- But wait a minute, that's not what the Constitution says, sir. I had to go through a background check, I had to go through- But wait a minute, dear brother, attorney, attorney. You just cited that the Constitution does not prohibit or provide additional auxiliary information or relevancy to you bearing an arm, that's correct. You can just do it, right? So you agree with that. The Constitution also does not create barriers to you participating in elections. However, we have statutorily done so, and you're okay with that. So explain to me why you're not okay with having common sense registration for firearms, mm-hmm. but you're okay with having registration to exercise the right to vote. Well, if we're talking about sort of a national database, is that where you're getting at for, for firearms? No, sir, I'm not talking about a or, national I mean, database. My question you have stands to pass, as you have to pass background, Of course, you have to pass background checks, right? You have to be a free citizen. So what are you talking about? Yeah, so I, I well, no, I'm, I'm fully in support of obviously, um, you know, going through a process where you get background checks. and. But, uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not even talking about Keeping them out of the hands of domestic so abusers and all that. But my question to you is very simple. Mm-hmm. Do you not see the hypocrisy? in state governments passing laws that say, okay, this is a constitutional right. Because it is a right, we're now going to eliminate you needing to provide registration, engage in some government prerequisite to exercise the right. However, it makes perfect sense to have those same restrictions where you have to register, you have to provide documentation in order to exercise your right to vote. That makes sense, okay? But for individuals like yourself, the other part doesn't. 
it, it, you mean to tell me that it makes more sense to have to register to vote than you have to register uh, in order to obtain a firearm? Do, do you think that- Or to carry? Sure, do you think that a uh, going through the registration process to vote is more of a burden than having to go through background checks in order to purchase a firearm? Because we have- You don't have to go through, have to do sir, that. That, that's another misnomer. I'm gonna correct you on the record. Uh, 40%, 41% of all firearm sales in the United States of America are done so without the use of a background check because they don't have to private to private gun sales and the gun show loophole provides that opportunity that well, needs well, to the gun be show loophole is like is like less than like one percent of all gun purchases. So if you, if you go register all well, guns you go through a registered firearm dealer, go through a registered firearm dealer, you have to go through a background Sir, check. Forty one. I'm not sure we're getting forty one percent of firearms are gone without a background check. Where do you get that information from? Forty one percent. You can check it out when we get off the show. Guarantee you I'm correct. Forty one percent of all gun sales. In this country, do not require, do not mandate a background check because they're private to private sellers of guns. So it's not required. It's ironic that even if you sell somebody a car, you have to do what's called due diligence, mm-hmm. a good faith effort to make sure they can actually drive it. You gotta do that. That's law. Okay. Gotta do that. Most states say that's just law. Makes sense. My point, attorney, is that when you start getting into the weeds of these particular rulings, they don't add up to linear logic. There's a deviation from the thought and how it started. So there's one thought that says the right to bear arms is constitutional and cannot be infringed on by state governments. So there's no registration needed. And then the right to vote, however, can be infringed on by government and registration is required. Those two dynamics coexist in hypocrisy, do you not agree? Yeah. So if you're if you're asking me if I think that you know all, all uh, background every, every gun you purchase from authorized dealer has to go through FBI background check, so I completely agree with that. With with a private sale transfer, if we're talking about you know a son giving it to his his child or uh, you know that that's that's okay, an adult child or something, that, an adult that's fine with me. But um, you know I, I completely agree. You need to go through background checks in order to uh, purchase a firearm. All right, but once again, you see the hypocrisy that I'm bringing to your attention. How you have one side that says, listen, eliminate prerequisites, let people constitutional carry, but they don't believe in constitutional voting. Do you not see the hypocrisy I'm bringing to your forefront? It, by, do you think registration is, is a burden so much so that it violates a constitutional right vote? No, is registering or applying for a permit to conceal your firearm, is that unduly burdensome, sir? Is that what you're saying? Is that too much to it's ask? Registering, applying for a, a, a permit to, to be able to constitutionally carry, to be able to carry your firearm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that's fine. Okay, yeah, so you don't I, think- I think that's fine, as long as it's based on objective criteria, uh, I think that's fine from a constitutional perspective. You know, the, the problem with places like New York and California is that it's subjective criteria based on what they call uh, you know, um, uh, good cause, right, or proper cause. And that could be anything, but if it's objective criteria, that's I'm perfectly fine with that. And the Supreme Court, by the way, said it said if New York wishes to to have stricter permitting, uh, you know, they require, for example, 50 hours of training before you can get a, a license. Um, that's fine. They're they're permitted to do so. They're just not allowed to have a subjective criteria in order to uh, prevent people from being able to to carry a weapon on themselves. And What's the difference purposes. between subjective and objective in the context you just laid? Yeah. So objective criteria is basically it'll say, okay, if you if you um, basically do these things like uh, get the X hours of firearm training, uh, pass a moral character exam, 
um, you know, uh, pass this test, you get the license. Subjective is basically where they don't tell you uh, what criteria you're being, going to be judged on. Uh, and it's up to the whims of a of a sheriff or a cop to. Yeah, but that's not what the New York case said. The New York case actually did have a criteria. You may not like it, it was extremely restrictive, but but it did have a criteria. Well, it's subjective, see, here's the thing. All law, sir, you, you, you're a law school graduate. You have studied how laws were and still are very subjective to the authors of them, written by legislatures who were very partisan and opinionated, sir. So when you say objective versus subjective, you're really, saying two words that have no difference in the context of the law. Because there are many laws that we follow today and that we have to adhere to that are in fact subjective, even though we will call them objective. That's why I wanted you to split the difference in that. What makes sure, it sure. subjective to objective? And I don't yes. think you can actually tell me the line here. Well, no, What's the line? yeah, so with objective criteria, it says if you do X, Y, Z, okay. you get the license. With subjective, it says if you do X, Y, Z plus, um, you you satisfy some random police officer's uh, you know uh, uh, viewpoint, uh, then you may get a, a license. That's that's what separates it. So objective criteria that's spelled out beforehand uh, that you can either satisfy or not uh, will make it objective, right? So it has to, the elements have to be spelled out. So let's let's go back to some legal theater here. You're saying that if New York right now passes a new policy, a new um, gun control dynamic, and they simply spell out 20 different things you gotta do in order to carry in their jurisdiction. Are we now constitutional again? Should be, I mean, it depends on exactly what it is, but if it's within no, the- No, 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 you didn't say it done. depends on exactly what it is. You just said it right. depends on if it's exacting. So if I have 20 exacting things that you must do right. in order to carry in this jurisdiction, Am I not back constitutional again? So again, it would have to depend on. I mean, like if you were to, if it were going to be subjective again, or if it was going to be no, something sir. so out of bounds. No, sir. Obviously, if it's no, twenty but, very specific right. things that I'm saying right. you have to do in order to obtain um, a permit to carry here, does that not bring me back, according to the ruling of the court, to right. constitutional muster? So it would, it would, so, so long as it wasn't something just completely out of bounds, not a reasonable subject, but you're not being able to exercise your second amendment right. Uh, but you, yeah, there, there, are, there are 50 states in this country. There are plenty of examples of other states you can look to that have criteria, and you can just implement those, and you can make them a bit more stringent, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you, know, you can just do it the way like firearm training, right? right or do it know, the way your local community fine. demands it be done, because you have to serve a local constituency. You can do it that way as well. Attorney, it was a pleasure, brother. Thank you for pleasure. being on the show. Appreciate it, Dr. Ritchie. Thanks. So Absolutely. Much.